Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Well, good evening. Uh, you may be seated if you're out uh, in the greenhouse. Thank you again for joining us uh, during this season uh, of Lent. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Holy Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for this invitation in this season uh, to examine ourselves and to see areas where we have not followed you faithfully and clear out the distractions and things that so easily uh, ensnare us. So God, we pray in this season as we enter into another Lent, God, that you would be with us, that you would empower us uh, in the days ahead, uh, and that we would meet you uh, in these moments. And we pray these in your name. Amen. Well, welcome to Lent 2021. I don't know about you, but this seems like an extra heavy uh, sense of Lent, given all that we've been through uh, for the last uh, year. Uh, I was captivated as I uh, heard the passage of Isaiah 58 um, being read. Uh, That's the passage we're going to be in tonight. Um, And as I was preparing over the last couple, uh, over the last week uh, for that, it really struck me. And so I, I want to spend our time tonight in this passage and uh, see the word uh, that God has for us this evening. One of the things that strikes me about the passage is just how bold uh, it is. I don't know if you, as you heard Ben reading it, uh, if, you, if you noticed that, if you were kind of arrested by it or captivated by it. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at how bold it is in its declarations um, and at how much it starts to point out wrongdoing uh, on behalf of the people. And uh, there's not much you can assume about humans But if there was one good assumption to make about us, uh, it's probably that no one likes being told their faults or being told when they're wrong. Have you ever tried to do this before? Uh, I wouldn't advise you to do this, but for one week you could go around and start telling people all of their faults, uh, everything that they've done wrong, uh, and seeing how how that works itself out. Uh, I don't see it going very well, just to to warn you. Uh, No one likes to admit or be told when they've done something wrong. We're far quicker to cover up, explain away, and justify why we might have done something wrong. But circumstances can explain almost everything uh, away. And so the reality then of this season is something that makes Lent quite unique and I think quite counter-cultural. And I'm not just talking about the the wider culture, but even our own Christian context. Uh, Such an unwelcome reality is actually rooted in our identity as the community of God. There's a robust understanding, at least we say we believe, right, of brokenness and sin, something that we affirm. Our passage today strikes this tone right at the beginning. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to uh, open them up to Isaiah 58. We'll be spending uh, all of our time uh, in this passage. Uh, But there in verse 1, this is what Yahweh says. He says, shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people Declare to them their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. Point out the rebellion and sins of the people. Our first reaction to this is probably not one of applause. Oh, and not just point it out, shout it out loud and don't hold back. This is maybe a different type of experience than we think we've signed up for. Our first reaction uh, is understandable. It may may be one of recoil. That seems really, really harsh. Although Christians should be the least, Christians should be the people least afraid of a discussion of sin and certainly public sin. 
And a danger can arise when it's far easier to point out the sin out there rather than the sin in our own community, in our own lives. I'm with most of you. This is not something I want to willingly sign up for. But maybe this is why we need the season of Lent. Maybe in the wisdom of God's people through the centuries, it's something we resist, but it's something that we deeply need. This pointing out of areas where we need to grow, of areas where we need to stop certain actions, is pretty healthy. Because exposure can be healthy. Like a wound unable to heal, we need the light and holiness of God to reveal and cleanse us of sin and the places we've fallen short. The really hard part, though, is when we think we've been doing the right thing, but have only misled ourselves, deceived ourselves, thought that we were in the right when really we haven't been. This is actually what was happening in Isaiah's day. The first part of the of this section here of this passage is all about what we might call false lens, false fasting. There's a temptation of God's people to think that we are doing the right things, but when in actuality, we are not. Notice their words in verse 3. These are the words of the people of Isaiah's day. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not come near? You see, they actually think they've been doing the right things before God, that God wants, and that God just hasn't been paying attention, that God hasn't noticed them. I'm reminded of the quote of the civil rights writer James Baldwin who said, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. I think this is that sentiment there. Yahweh is saying, I, I see the things that you're saying, the fasting that you're doing, the actions that you're taking, but I'm also seeing what you're actually doing. That's the sentiment here in Isaiah 58. God has noticed that the people say one thing, but their lives bear out a different reality. In verse 4, Yahweh continues, he says, you cannot, it's even bolder, you cannot fast as you do today and expect to be heard on high. So whatever is happening on the ground in Isaiah's day is not enough. Where was the disconnect? Was the fasting not enough? No, it was exactly what it was doing what it was meant to do. The fasting was fasting, but it was disconnected from a changed life. Lent is supposed to have this effect in our lives. Repentance is always more than just saying, I'm sorry. It's a commitment to live in a new way. We can easily think that the good things we do in Lent can run cover for areas where there is brokenness. There can be a temptation in this season of saying, okay, I'm going to give up something so that we don't pay attention to maybe some of these other areas. That same disconnect is happening in Isaiah's day. And Yahweh highlights that, this, this disconnect. Yahweh points out the rebellion and sin of his people. And if you have a, a pen and paper, maybe later this evening or tomorrow morning, um, compile this list as you read down through it. Just start noting. I'll, I'll, I'll list a few here. The first thing on Yahweh's list, that disconnect of a life that hasn't been changed, is the first one up is in verse 3. It's called, it's exploiting workers. In verse 4, he says there's quarreling and strife. In verse 4, he says they're striking each other with wicked fists. This is the list that Yahweh is compiling here of rebellion and sin. It goes on in verse 9, there's oppression. In verse 9, there's also the pointing finger and malicious talk. Verse 13, breaking the Sabbath. Verse 13, what we might describe as selfishness, only looking out for one's own. 
And in verse 13 as well, speaking idle words. It's an interesting list. What a confronting list of rebellion and sin. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but when you think about sin and brokenness, are these the items that come up? I'm struck by how public and societal these sins are, the ways that they work themselves through our societies. Because we tend to think of sin in either big categories like murder and worshiping idols, or as minor issues like lying or gossip. The, the former, those ones, are pretty easy to let ourselves off of the murdering and the worshiping of idols, right? We're probably not doing that. Have you ever thought about that? Either the sin is too, agra- too egregious, so we'd never do it, like murder, or it's so pervasive, it's so everywhere, like lying, everyone does it, so we might as well not make a big deal about it. This is the list that Yahweh's compiled. In this list are items that affect how people live their lives. Is exploitation of workers on our lists of the ways in which we've rebelled against God, that we've sinned against others, or malicious talk about those who are oppressed. That's talking bad and belittling those who raise a concern that they are being oppressed. We see this all the time with denying that injustice is actually taking place. And Yahweh actually calls this out. It's malicious talk. What we find in Isaiah is that God is concerned with public justice. God is concerned with workers who are exploited. God is concerned with people who don't have food and shelter. And God is concerned with selfishness because that's not who he is. He's a generous God. And so God invites the people, he invites us to repent of a faith that is so internalized that it's of no public good. God doesn't seem to have an interest in this private piety that prays prayers but doesn't put food on the table for people. He, doesn't, he has no interest in the pious thoughts and intentions when people are starving and without a home. God wants love put into action. He wants lives transformed to look out for others as a way in which God has looked out for creation and has provided for creation. God wants love put into action to go beyond just fasting, stopping something, to actually doing something for the people around us. Or to put it in the wise words of Cornell West, justice is what love looks like in public. Justice is what love looks like in public. That's the great challenge we face. The temptation, the heresy, is that we can believe and act that our relationship with God has no effect on the impoverished among us and around us and even ourselves. That our hope has no impact on a suffering world around us. And so Yahweh wanted Israel to see that their faith and trust of him had an outpouring and a relentless heartbeat for those who were around them. Fasting and humbling ourselves is important. It's commanded by Yahweh. It's something to be done. But the stopping of certain actions is meant to create space to do the things that God has called us to do. The fasting is supposed to create uh, uh, an empathy and an awareness of going without food by choice to make us alive and in tune with people who, for whom that's not a choice. This is why Yahweh connects these things in Isaiah. Our Lenten practices open up new windows into our lives that the Spirit of God can root out the sin that so easily entangles us and so easily turns it in on ourselves. 
That's what sin ultimately does. It makes ourselves the central actor in the story and not God and not the others that he's placed around us. But it doesn't stop there. The Lenten season is not meant to break us down. It's meant to break us open to the work of God and the world to the least of these. We're supposed to be people who give to others out of this pause. The last half of the passage moves to a bit more hopeful frame. There's a hopeful invitation that breaks through in the second half of Isaiah 58. Yahweh says, if the oppression of others is done away with, then the restoration of his people awaits. The second half, if you noticed of the passage in Isaiah, gets far more optimistic, far more positive when the restoration comes. It seems as if one part of the body is suffering, the whole body suffers. And so God invites us to be a people who rebuild and raise up. God invites us into this project with him to be part of the restoration. And there's some beautiful and evocative images in verse 12. We can join God as repairers and restorers. What an identity. We can be known as a people who are helping repair the world and not to tear it down. The invitation is that God will satisfy, God will heal, and God will restore his people and his world. But joining in that is conditioned on repentance. It's conditioned on that. Notice in verses 9 and 10, God asks that his people do away with oppression. Lent is aimed at the restoration of the human person, this broken world that, that wreak havoc on everyone. In the season of Lent, as we strip away things in our lives that distract us from God's justice, from God's own presence, from God's holiness, may we ask God to help us to become those who are concerned with those around us as we pursue him. May we be a picture of what love looks like in public, and may God resurrect us in joy of the inheritance that awaits us as his obedient people. May this season of Lent be one that does not break us down, but breaks us open to the work of God in this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.